This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to a new episode of the Low Life Podcast. Ooh, that sounds good. Has a nice little ring to it, doesn't it? A little spicy moment with the Low Life Podcast. You don't already know, that's the special announcement. The podcast has been changed. It's no longer the Low Show. That's a thing of the past. Left that shit in 2020. We're going with the Low Life. Okay, so a couple reasons why. First things first, I always loved the idea of the Low Life Podcast. And when I was deciding to do this podcast a few months back, I was debating between the two names. Do I go low show or low life? And I decided to go low show because one, it was safer. And two, I thought it's safer in the sense of if I'm booking a guest and they have no idea who I am or my producer is reaching out to someone, an agent or a publicist trying to get someone to come on to the podcast, it'd be much easier to book them on something called the low show. It's like, there's nothing to that. It's just an easy name to remember. It sounds like another type of cool podcast you can go on. I thought it was a, a safer thing rather than a low life because they could be like, what? Low life? I ain't no low life. Like, even though now I think that's a compliment to be called a low life. 19 episodes in, it's an honor. <laughs> but back then when I was, you know, trying to figure it out and what to do, I thought, you know what? I'll just go safer. The low show, it's easy breezy. We'll go with that. But in my gut, I really wanted the low life. And it was my listeners who called themselves the low lifers, a name they thought of on their own, by the way, which I love. You guys gave yourself that name, the low lifers as my listeners. And I had a lot of people who have messaged me saying, low, love the low show, but you should call it the low life. Maybe change it up a little bit. So I'm trusting my gut and I'm also listening to my low life listeners. So yeah. The podcast has officially been changed and it's the sweet spot to do it right now. We're 19 episodes in and if we were to be, you know, 50 episodes in or 100 episodes in and want to change it, that's weird because you're already established at that point. You know, you can't change shit. You're already in the game. Like you got to just roll with it at that point. But now would be the perfect time. So, yeah, the podcast is officially the Low Life Podcast now. Okay, speaking of life lessons, trusting your gut. That's a big one for me. And in today's episode, we're going into more life lessons. I'm sitting down having a wonderful conversation with the queen, my mama. She's back for round two of the conversation today. And last week I left it off. I think it was a 45-minute episode. And I had people messaging me saying, Lo, what the hell? It's not long enough. We need more queen. Can't just cut her off there. Uh, so it's more of an appetizer, a tapa, if you will. This week, you're getting the main course. It's a great episode and it's vulnerable. It's raw. It's authentic. It's a beautiful conversation. At one point, my mama gets emotional, a little choked up. And it's because we were talking about a sensitive topic. And she gets, yeah, emotional. Like her voice starts to crack and she actually started to cry. And she wanted me to cut that out. She's like, cut that out. I just don't want that in the episode. And I said, listen, Queen, it's beautiful that you could be that vulnerable and authentic and I don't want to cut it out because I think people will appreciate how real you are. I don't want to remove that from the episode. But if you really, really want me to, I will. But I, I think you should just leave it in. I don't want to edit out parts like that. I don't want to edit out vulnerability. And, you know, after much convincing, she's like, okay, you could leave it. I hope they like it. 
And if they don't, don't tell me. <laughs> so uh, you guys are going to love it, though. It's a beautiful, real, open conversation. And I actually was really surprised to learn that in sharing these little golden nuggets of wisdom, one thing my mom was telling me was that she had some regrets while parenting. And I'm like, what the hell did you regret while parenting? I thought she did a great job. I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, I'm your son. And I thought you did, again, an awesome job. No, she had some regrets, which surprised me and were really interesting to learn about. So you're going to learn about that. She'll open up. And also some life lessons that I've learned along the way. I think this is a really great episode. You'll learn some things along the way. It's so important to listen to those who have walked before us and pretty much laid a path of life lessons that we can learn from. And that's what you're going to get from this episode. So I don't even want to keep going into an introduction. I got to cut this intro short because I want to just jump right into the episode with the queen. I know you're going to love this one. So without further ado, let's continue part two of the conversation with the queen. All right, so I'm back at the kitchen table with the queen. Welcome to the low show. Okay, I'll give you a formal intro. Welcome to the low show, the queen. Yay! <laughs> Hi, everyone. All right, so last week, queen, we talked about how words can affect us, the power of finding your voice. I mean, I talked mm-hmm. about Pop Warner football, how Coach Kip was such a dick, was ripping me a new one, and how I finally stood up for myself in that situation. And, mm-hmm. uh, and this week, I want to get into more of life lessons, starting it off with some childhood situations. So I got bullied kindergarten through sixth, mm-hmm. which I, I don't like that you take that on and think that it's remotely your fault in any way, because I came home. It was positive. Right. I loved my home life. I danced. I could be myself. I genuinely have zero complaints in that department. School was rough, though. Mm -hmm. Kids were mean, and they would say really terrible things to me, and I never fit in. And yeah, the the bullying was real. It got worse as I got older. Kindergarten started. By the time I got to sixth grade, I was literally throwing up every day before school and felt terrible. I I didn't enjoy that. Right. But you gave me great advice in saying, you know, sometimes I'd open up about it. Not too much with you, though. I didn't open up too much about the bullying because I genuinely didn't feel like I needed to share that because I don't know why I didn't share that with you all the time. But see, I gave you bits and pieces I here. Some accountability. I give you bits and pieces here and there, but I, I looked yeah, at see- it like <laughs> I got to go to school. And because when I would tell you, you would say things like these kids, they come from bad homes. They don't have what you have you know, in the sense of like a loving family. So I just, I, in my head, I looked at it like, oh, these kids are just messed up and that's why they're being really mean to me. Right. I saw it from that perspective and I just couldn't wait to get out of there. That's how I handled it. Right. But what would you have done different besides saying, you know, don't let that affect you. You're loved. You don't listen to them. You, You know, still stay true to who you are. If you don't, if you're getting bullied at lunch, I'm going to come and pick you up. We'll have lunch together. Let's all have. That was all the external stuff. I think that I should have not taken what I thought worked in childhood, which was ignore it, shrug it off, let it go. You're loved at home. Because 
ultimately words still penetrate and grip your soul at some point. Oh, shit. Ultimately, they do. Yeah, they do. And I didn't say, how do you feel about that? You know, and Mm. I didn't say you don't deserve to be taunted or talked to that way. See, I don't deserve it. Your listeners don't deserve it. Nobody deserves that ever. Kind of disrespect. Disrespect. And when you give people permission to, and it happens even in adulthood, you know, you always have someone in the office who's talking crap. You know, the office belaying, bully. The office bully. You know what's crazy too? Those assholes. They start young. They're young little assholes, yeah. and they grow into being adult ones, or they're yeah. catty, mean girls. Right. And they grow up to be, and a lot of the times, unfortunately, they're mm-hmm. successful mm-hmm. because they are that way. Yeah. Which made me think that I had to be cutthroat or bull. I never was, but I kind of I thought, is that the way to do it? Because I've mm-hmm. noticed these people who take take no prisoners Mm -hmm. they give no shits about anything Mm -hmm. uh, no regard for people and they're mean Mm -hmm. and they're doing well people in the industry some of the meanest rudest Mm -hmm. most disrespectful people Mm -hmm. in the industry are the most successful Mm -hmm. makeup hair styling whatever yeah talking glam just because that's my field of work so it makes me think consolation if you look at those kind of people they're extrinsic based so you take away the title, you take away the money, you take away that and nobody would be around them. That's true. So the goal here is to be intrinsic based where who you are, you're not identified by the power you hold or the car you drive or the money you have. People genuinely like to be with you and the money and the house and everything else that you may have that are possessions just make the journey more comfortable. So. I used to think, oh, my God, they make it. I'm like, no, they don't. They make it monetarily. But you can make it being intrinsic and still kicking ass and being successful because that was me. I thought I don't have to be that way. Yeah. But at the same time, when you get into the world of business, there's so much politics and fighting going around that if you don't learn to play some politics, you're always going to be on the out. You're always going to lose the job. You're always going to lose the grant. You're always going to lose the day because you have to learn how to politically play the game without losing your soul. So it's, it's far. It's a fine line. It's a fine line. And when you think that you don't have to play some type of politic, of course you do, but it shouldn't be with your heel on someone's neck. (laughs) Right. It shouldn't be with belittling. You can be strategic and moving forward without that. But what I was saying about your childhood, for me, I wish that I would have tapped into faster that it doesn't have to be physical, the pain or what you go through, because words are just as powerful. And even though in childhood, I kind of brushed it off and moved on, there was a reason why I became so shy, a reason why I was kind of hesitant or distrustful of people. I always looked when the next shoe was going to drop or who was going to betray or whatever. Sure. But when you were coming home as a young child and you're saying, you know, so-and-so is mean to me or so-and-so said this to me. And I would always, you know, I mean, I wrapped it with so much love here at home that this was safe haven. I wished at that time and I eventually did in sixth grade. You let me know up in six, but at least in sixth grade, I really stress and I still stress to you 
you are not a doormat. But it doesn't mean you could be mean to people, but you do have to speak up and say something. Yeah. Don't give people permission to write your narrative. You no. Know, you write your story. Don't let them. And if someone is mean, it's okay to call someone out on it. But we just have to do it strategically and... You know, you can still do it with ethics. You don't that have is, to. Oh, my God. That is a know. lesson that I've carried through to this day, 31 years later. Mm-hmm. For I mean, really, though, that don't let people write your narrative. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I, I remember I was I was at work and this I had a finally I had a job mm-hmm. and someone had been talking shit about me. Mm-hmm. And the boss kind of thought because they were cool with that person and it kind of. It's so political. This was, I was working more of a corporate vibe. And I remember thinking I shouldn't say anything. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, no, I'm not going to let this person write my narrative. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go on the record. I'm going to send that email. It's going to be awkward, but I need to address this. You can't talk mad shit on me like this. Right. That's not who I am. I'm not, you know, whatever. I forgot what the issue was, but standing up for yourself, speaking out, Mm -hmm. if you don't write your narrative, and a real clear script for your life, someone's mm-hmm. going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. When I had mean girlfriends, mm-hmm. those, those putas would say some nasty shit about me. Mm-hmm. And I let them, I didn't say shit. I didn't defend myself until I did. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're not going to write enough. You're not going to write my narrative anymore. You're not going to put that on me. I mean, they would mm-hmm. talk, say such terrible things and say that, you know, that I'm a liar and that I'm not a good person, that I'm not a good friend. Then they would just talk bad shit about so much stupid stuff. And I finally, enough is enough. And I'm, I'm in charge of my narrative. It mm-hmm. translates into my friendships and in my work relationships. That's a huge lesson learned. Mm-hmm. And I've got that from you. So maybe yeah. kindergarten through six, you regret that part. But don't worry. I you do. made up I, for that I, in the long I run. Mean, you were amazing. I regret, but it was a time of growth for me, too. Yeah. Because I think that's the beautiful thing about parenting is that as you move along, you're becoming better and better and better because you want the best for your, you know, like I said, I always say, whether you're the mom, the dad, the brother, whoever the caregiver, you could be the aunt or the foster. It doesn't matter. Whoever you're influencing, you're going to always want to be better and better and better because it's through that, that demonstration that they're emulating their biggest, you know, I think the the ones who are matter in their life become the ones that they want to emulate. And zero through eight years are so critical in child development that you got to hone in on those years and make sure that you're teaching them not only that they're not here to be physically harmed, but it's okay to learn to trust your intuition and to vocalize when you feel that you're being hurt, you know, yeah, by words or whatever, or taking advantage of, taking or... advantage of, or being spoken to, you know, really negatively. That trust that intuition too in your child and listen on that end, and say, okay, let's fix this. You know, let's do something about it, or let me help you fix it. Because then they get reinforced that they could be vocal. Because then, as you guys are getting older. You know, I'm amazed because people talk about all the time, oh, your son is so, you know, he's assertive and, you know, I always, he speaks I hate his that mind. compliment because I'm like, it sounds like he's a dick. Yeah, and, and, and it's not. <laughs> when someone, if you're assertive, people always assume like, oh, right. he's a dick. Assertive, but I'm not a doormat is what we're getting at. You're not a doormat. <laughs> no. You've never been a doormat. No. Well, no. No. I've never known you to be a doormat. 
but that what I'm trying to say is it doesn't mean that you're a jerk either. You see, just because you speak up again, that's us labeling. Just because you're assertive doesn't mean you're a jerk. Right. Just because I'm very understanding doesn't mean that I agree with you. I'm just very understanding. I understand where you're going with this. I still don't agree with it. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? I get it. it. It doesn't mean we don't have to put labels just because you understand or not understand or just because you're asserting yourself doesn't mean you have to be a jerk about it. How I perceived making it in childhood, I didn't want to project that onto you that it was the right way. Mm. Because ultimately what I realized in doing that to you was that, wow, maybe it hurt more than I thought. Maybe I didn't mm. go unscathed mm -hmm. with all those, even though I handled it in adulthood, it was in here somewhere mm -hmm. because I was kind of withdrawn or didn't want to speak up. Where did that, that come sense. from? Somehow when people are constantly telling you words, they become life scripts if you start believing them. And sometimes you don't realize that you're believing them. Sometimes you're not realizing that they're gripping your soul and permeating. They're, they're tucked away in there. And then that, like, that word start coming out in different scenarios, whether yeah. it be not raising your hand or worried about what you're wearing or your, your size or your weight. And it goes all the way into adulthood, college, not stepping up and asserting yourself in the, the job, workplace. Getting job, the promotion. Getting the promotion, not speaking up and saying that belonged to me. You know, she's mistaken. That was my project. <laughs> or someone talking about you at work and betraying confidence. Hey, I didn't appreciate that. Stepping up and saying something, you realize that it started somewhere. It started somewhere. It just didn't happen. And what I realized, you know, like I said, children hold that mirror. And when that was happening to you, I thought, wow, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Where is this coming from? Why am I not teaching him to step up and stop this? Yeah. But then I started realizing even the family, I usually am the one that oh, he always understands. But you don't always have to understand. It's no. okay to say, no, I bow out on this one. And, and I think that that's the essence of parenting is that we shouldn't be scared of parenting. I know you don't come with instructions. You don't come with a manual. There's no right or wrong way, but there's mistakes you make. And if you open yourself up to just constantly reevaluating where it's coming from, you'll start realizing whose needs are being met. Is it mine or is it my child's? And it keeps you honest. It keeps you authentic in your parenting. That's beautiful, by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's beautiful. And word, I mean, words to live by. Quick break. We'll be right back. Hair thinning impacts a lot of us. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol, I've been recommending it to my friends and family. I take it. My mama, the queen, takes it. Queen, you love yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I recommend it to my hairstylist. I recommend my sister-in-law and even my niece. We range in age from like 22 to 67. They're loving it. Yeah, they are. It's a great Mother's Day gift. Oh, I love it. It's amazing. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LOWLIFE. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. 
Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LOWLIFE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LOWLIFE. And we're back. But it's really interesting that the amount of abuse and trauma you're, I mean, we haven't even delved into your childhood. We've touched on it in other episodes, but it is violent, it's sad, and it's scary. And emotionally, just, uh, I can't, I've heard a lot of the stories and another podcast, another podcast. Another time. Another time <laughs> we can delve into another time. <laughs> that amount of, of abuse. And I have to say, for you to be in that environment, in past episodes, we talked about how the relationship with your mom, mm-hmm. my Nana, you were still able to have a beautiful relationship with someone, mm-hmm. with an abuser, technically, with someone who caused a lot of pain and hardship mm-hmm. in your life. Man, the essence of forgiveness, Queen, you really, mm-hmm. oh, really did it for me with that episode. But for you as a woman, mm-hmm. I, I know that you were that shy, extremely shy, reserved, quiet, in the background, mm-hmm. seen but not heard. Because you've shared that stuff with me. And uh, your siblings have told me that about you. Mm-hmm. People that knew early you. Early me. Early you. But all, pre-you. <laughs> pre, but I was going to say, how, that's my question to you. How do you go from that traumatic, tumultuous, really dark childhood uh, upbringing Mm. where you're not heard and you don't have a voice to now having a son Mm -hmm. and being a woman that has is known to everyone, the new you as bold, has a strong voice, is not a mat Mm -hmm. that you could walk over is very outgoing, the center of attention and, and, and a leader. Mm-hmm. That's how people would characterize you. You know, you light up a room, you, you are not afraid to speak your mind. You're bold. You're a spicy Latina. You're a strong mm-hmm. woman. Those are all, I mean, anyone would that's close or has met you. They always would think that about you. Mm-hmm. Is it just a facade or is that really who you are now? Well, I think what happened And how did you get there? That's the two part two parter in that yeah, one. Yeah. No, it, it is who I am and and I'm very proud. I think at the core, um I always wanna be known as just a, a good person, a genuine person that loves deep, you know, and that's always was my driver. Um and even when I'm real shy, was real shy and all that. What turned for me, honestly, was when and I remember the first time, actually, I remember vividly the first time that this revelation came to me that maybe even though I had made amends with my mom and, and you know, I had moved through my, my high school years and my college years, it still doesn't mean that I hadn't gone unscathed with some of the trauma. Yeah. And I was extremely shy. That was just who I am. And I still am actually very, very shy. I'm not, you know, someone who's outgoing, but I can do it because it's required with the work that I do. Yeah. Um, but when I come home, I have to take a nap because it's that's my energy. <laughs> I can give a speech at a convention, but you see me the minute I come home, I'm out for the rest of the day because it zapped me. Yeah. But I do and I do it well because recharge. I love 
what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about to be helpful. And that's what drives. And that gives me to my point about what took you there. And, and maybe this will help other people too. But if I wanted, I remember when I was pregnant and your dad was in the service, he was a Marine and he was getting out of the service, but I was, you know, six months pregnant mm. and they had said, well, you should stay in because what are you going to do? Oh, dad should stay in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Cause his time was up. And I thought, no, you're not staying in. This is not the lifestyle I want. You I hated wanted, that he was in the Marines? I No, it's not that I hated that he was in the Marines. I just didn't want that lifestyle. I knew there oh, was I, an income cap. I knew that I couldn't rely when he would be home. I didn't want to be a single mother because of the deployments. He was on a Nimitz, the USS Nimitz. He was mm, out. That's right. Um, that's plus, not, you could have been stationed God knows where. I didn't want to leave or work away from my family, be away from my family. I didn't yeah. know. And when someone who grew up with trauma, I needed stability, I realized. Mm-hmm. And so I said, no, you, you, I, don't, I don't want you to reenlist. Just get out and we will wing it. We'll figure it out. But I remember I was going to the, <laughs> the doctors and I had a really good top of the line physician who was my gynecologist. And so I would go and see him every month for my baby, well, baby checks. And my mom and I had gone and I went in and, you know, I was innocent. I didn't know anything. But I remember telling his wife, who was not very nice, who was the front of the office. She was a really mean, mean lady and very curt. And she, I went up to her and I said, well, my husband's getting out of the service and we're not going to have insurance. So can I have a payment plan? And she basically chastised me and said, no, go find another doctor and goodbye. Oh, and I remember walking out rude. and yeah, she was really mean, but I remember walking out and bawling my eyes out and telling my mom in the car, oh my God, I don't have a doctor and I'm crying, crying. What am I going to do? I'm six months pregnant. And, and my like, mom, where were you supposed to go? Like some, I don't I know. I didn't know. I didn't have any answer. Some clinic. I don't know. I didn't know. Deliver I, the baby in the bathtub. Right. So she just basically dismissed me and said, you're out of here and go find another doctor. Maybe you want to go on welfare. She was just not oh. very nice. <laughs> she wasn't very nice. She never was what anyway, that? though. Yeah, I won't even give her name because they're still in, in practice. But anyway, I remember going to the car and crying. And my mom says, hold on. And she got out of the car. <laughs> and I thought, oh, here we go. Oh, yeah. Nana, She's don't about mess to around. Throw down. She's going to go tell that lady Ripped to be that nice lady, to a her. new asshole. Yes. So she came around the car and she says, get out. I said, okay. And so my, t- my crying stopped immediately and my mom grabbed me by the shoulders and she said, you're going to march in there and you're going to demand that they continue to see you and that they take a payment plan. And you'll not cry because this is the first of many tears you will cry for this child. And you better learn to dig deep and start fighting for your child. If you can't do it for yourself, you better learn to do it for your kid. Get in there. I'll wait here. Oh, shit. Uh, and so i walked in because i thought oh hell no i'm not saying that against my mom so i walked in and i said i want to talk to the doctor and he came out and i said i want you to deliver my child i will make a payment plan i will figure it out but i don't want to go somewhere else and he said absolutely and he made his wife take me in and he they ended up delivering you oh really yes so and And they did a payment plan yes so I worked it all out with them and I just Did knew, she apologize? No. She hated me up until birth. You delivered the baby. Yeah, and probably after. <laughs> I don't care. She didn't pay my rent. At that time, I didn't even pay my rent. 
-hmm. But we got out, you know, he got out of the service. And then luckily your father within two months had another job that had insurance and we ended up fine. Yeah. You know, but the lesson that I learned from my mom was she was absolutely right. This playing small was not going to serve the purpose. No. And when you were born, I realized right away, you know, and we talked in our last podcast about, you know, the whole delivery and our first couple months and the bonding and all of that. You didn't have that bond. Okay, whatever. God. (laughs) But let's say, let's say moving forward. Didn't even want me. Moving forward. Look at us now. (laughs) Later on. Yes. See? Mm -hmm. So later on, as you got older, I really thought, oh my gosh, if I want him to be assertive and seen, I have to challenge myself to break through the shyness. Mm. I have to do better. You know, I have to be seen. I have to step up. I have to speak up. I can't let people harm him. You know, I've got to be able to ask for things that he needs. I have to be his voice until he gets a voice. And that was the most powerful to me is you weren't, you know, as an infant, you're not able to articulate what you need yet. So that means I had to. Yeah. So those are the kind of things that pushed me forward. And I think that for those, I mean, I know I'm not the only shy mom out there, but I think when you start realizing I have to do better because he has to be better. It's like the kid kind of ups your game. Always ups your game. I have said that from day one. You know, you made me funnier. You made me smarter. You made me wiser. You made me kinder because I have to constantly be teaching you how to live. Even as we go through the second part of life, I'm now like, oh, wow. Now I'm in the encore. I got to teach you. Encore. (laughs) Encore performance. (laughs) I got to teach you grace and I need to teach you to invest and I need it. So I'm still always upping my game because that's the role that parents play different roles at different times. You know, we talked about that, the nurturer and then the coach and then the mentor and the advisor and then the all different roles of all different roles as we move along. And so, um, you know, you asked, how did I get through my own shyness and all that? And, and I knew that whatever I learned and, and went through in childhood, didn't belong in the house here today. So I had to leave those boulders at the door and take them off my shoulders and then travel Mm. light inside. Oh, I love that. And I just had to do that and keep doing that. Travel light. I just have to travel light. And that's all I always tell myself, travel light, travel light. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't bring all that baggage because even like I say, the strongest swimmer will drown if you have too much hanging on them. Yeah. You know, so God, I um, love that. In in lessons learned to go back to what you were saying is that's when I thought, <laughs> wow, I thought I had it figured out. I was more assertive. I laughed more. I danced more. I loved more. Um, I got my degree. I was showing you success. And little did I know in grade school, wow, I hadn't shed the words that could also harm you internally. So what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Well, when you're saying you're shedding your words, you're letting go of, let's say, life scripts, things that have been said to you that actually start shaping. They're the internal stories you create about your life or really your sense of self-worth, your perceptions of 
how you fit into the world around you. Mm -hmm. And it starts in early childhood, for instance, from birth to three years of age, you're learning trust, you're having your immediate needs met. That's like when you cry and your mother's responding, your father's responding, you cry and they give you the bottle. You're learning trust. Mm -hmm. Okay, that starts developing you. When you get to say from three to five years, now you're hearing words and actions that guide on how to handle new emotions in you, like frustration, temper tantrums, you know, when you have anger or letdown. That's why they call them the terrible twos. And really what I learned with you is that's when we start teaching you how to handle those emotions, but using positive reinforcement. Okay. But when you get to be like five years onward, well, now your self image is being written and developed. And that's why for me, grade school was so, I think that's where the pain comes is because I know that those are the years that your self image is being developed. And so, you know, young adulthood in, in childhood from second, third, fourth, fifth, all those grades become really critical. And if you're saying words like loser or you're stupid or you're lazy or you're not smart, well, all these become subliminal words or messages that feed into what's called you know, your life script. Mm, okay. So that's life script is basically like our own life perception of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's basically that it's a perception of ourselves. It's a world around us. It, it creates the narrative of what you can and can't do. And it affects, you know, believe it or not, it affects every decision that you make and your life script. I know. (laughs) And your life script has a deep and unconscious effect of how you live your life. It's really a lot about your self image. And that's why it's so important to develop a really healthy life script. And that's why when we talked earlier, I was saying words matter because that's what's feeding into what your own self-image starts becoming. And as a parent, those are parental messages that we give for you to develop kind of the world around you. Mm. So when you're saying shed the words, you you didn't shed the words when you had said that. You're talking about being triggered in your own childhood yeah. for words that you hadn't shed Absolutely. yet. Absolutely, yeah. And that happens triggering. a lot in parenting. It's the triggering. And it's overcompensating Mm. or it's falling back to something you did as a child, but you don't realize it's coming out as an adult, you know, with a new child that you're trying to raise. Yeah. So I had I knew that I had some internal work to do to rewrite my own life script from my own childhood, because while I thought that I was unscathed, no, I wasn't. And and the irony, (laughs) you know, how ironic this is, is that you swear you're never going to be like, say, your parent. I'm never going to be like my mom or I'm never going to be like my father. Those of us who've had maybe some traumatic or not the most ideal childhood. And you swear you're never going to repeat the childhood you had for your own child. Yeah. And there's a lot happening what you don't realize in your subconscious mind that somehow creeps its way into your parenting. And you'll know this when you and I know you've heard this. Oh, my gosh, I sound just like my mother. You do sound like Nana all the time. OK, thank you. <laughs> in the best way. I mean, yeah, in a compliment it's not way, a bad thing. Not in an abusive way. Yeah. So, you know, because you'll sound like your mom or you say, oh, you're acting just like your father. Yeah. But that's a really good indicator that, you know, the subconscious does make its way into your parenting. And you but what you have to be careful of is that you want to take the good because you don't want to subconsciously be recreating the childhood that you were trying to escape for your own child. Mm -hmm. That's basically same play, 
different actors. And as much as I didn't want to repeat my own childhood, I feel that I was actively drawing upon it to basically shape yours. And it was unconscious until it wasn't. I realized that I had to shed all of my own ways of handling difficult people and reinforce a new style of parenting. And it's okay that it said it didn't, you know, that it didn't work for me as a child. You know, how I learned to handle bullies or words that were said to me, maybe that I internalized. It's okay to acknowledge that, but it's time to do it a different way with your own child. You got to give them better advice, not old school parenting advice. Sure. Mm. You know. Wise words. All right. We'll be right back. And we're back. You can't let people write your narrative and you cannot let people get away with saying things about you. I, you and I had this conversation about bullying and stuff. And oh, Queen, it broke my heart because you, you got so emotional when I was opening up and talking about bullying. I'd actually recorded a podcast episode about it. <laughs> and it was going to be my first episode that I released. And I was going to talk about because my producer said, well, have people get to know you. Who is low? what made you, you. And of course, I want to go into my parents and my, my family. And, but bullying was part of it. And I, mm-hmm. I talked about it. Uh, and then I shared the podcast with you. And you I broke balled. down. <laughs> Look, at, I'm here right now. I'm like, how did I not know this? But I... you know what, Queen? I... I can't let you even take that on because, and I know you will regardless of me saying this, but that kind of bullying and what happened early on, I feel like it, oh man, it gave me such armor for life. Now I don't wish that on any child, but I will say this. I had a great childhood, an incredible one. You're an incredible mama. I know me hope, but I, I should have seen that. No. Oh my no, Queen, can't let you crying again. <laughs> I'm not gonna let you cry about me getting bullied. I'm not gonna let you do that because you are an incredible woman, incredible mom, and that bullying yeah, it happened. But but you know what? It it really gave me armor. Like I feel like how we've talked about uh any past traumas as a superpower in a way. Right. And I thought, you know, it didn't, I didn't realize that it would strengthen me until I got older. But when I hit high school, I'm like, no, you want to call me a faggot in high <laughs> yeah, school? You were on your, you I've been there, were done in that. Your game. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't say anything that's going to hurt me now. Even with this podcast, I know I was scared because people, well, I wasn't scared, but I'm saying people could get nervous I've had right. friends and, and colleagues say, oh, God, but you really open yourself up to people yeah. ripping you to shreds. And oh, and even I have get messages from people to this day saying really nasty things to me. Most, But right. to be fair, most of it's positive. But there are some some hateful yeah. ones that slip in there. But, you know, Queen, it doesn't phase me. I won't because I know who I am. Right. And I'm not going to let someone write my narrative. And right. yeah, I, I won't. I won't ever let someone define me. I tell me who I am. Right. And, and that you taught was something that. we instilled heavily. And I'm not, I, you know, oh, Queen, I don't, lo- I don't like that you get so oh, sad no, by it because Mio, I'm like, don't take that on, Queen, because I've had an incredible I childhood. On. I understand that, Mio. I'm just saying that 
I think what happens in as you're raising children, you realize that you did not yourself go unscathed through your own yeah. life circumstances. And and when you find yourself ignoring something or running away from something or overreacting to your child in some way, just dig deep and figure yeah. out what is the root cause of it and then address it. And for me, I didn't realize, you know, for a year or two, but you had been giving the signs. You were, you know, my God, throwing up and not wanting to go to school. And that was a daddy real was common saying, thing. you know, let's put him in karate. It wasn't really until that moment that I thought, whoa, wait, what is happening here? And what am I ignoring? Am I, am I ignoring what he feels? We know the external stuff, but my goodness, there's some internal stuff and this could scar you because I'm realizing, you know, why would I think that it's okay to go to the school of hard knocks? Why would you enroll in that? Yeah. You know, <laughs> right? like, why do I got to make you get through it and get over it? Why do you have to experience that? Mm-hmm. Why does anyone have to experience bullying? I know. You know, really, where though. does that come from? And, and you have to just know that when people bully, there is something going on at the core of that person. Yeah. There is some damage happening there. So I can understand, you know, from that standpoint, what's happening, but it doesn't mean I have to accept it. Yeah. You know, and that's all I, I was saying to you. And, and I was glad at those years, you know, as I was talking to Steph, I thought, you know, there's just something about parenting that it just always ups your game and you're always you're always getting to root causes. And the more that you get to root causes, by the time I'm now in my 50s, I, I'm really in tune. And, and that's what I want to share with everyone, that you're going to get there. Just keep yourself open. Keep yourself fluid. Don't identify to them so much that your child so much or whoever you're caregiving to, you know, yeah. that you can't keep that mirror held up to your own strengths and weaknesses and play up your strengths, lower the weaknesses, you know, <laughs> and just play up your strengths. There's so many books on parenting and <laughs> YouTube <laughs> videos and there's so so many different opinions and stuff, but I think that's a really good just a good basic fundamental mm-hmm. is holding a mirror up to yourself. Hold the mirror up. And, God, and talk about doing some real soul searching and putting in the work to yourself, mm-hmm. which I feel like you've done. I had to. If I needed to, dis- if, to, if I needed to stop the dysfunction, it stops here. I had some work to do. And even though there was not the physical, that doesn't mean there wasn't the emotional, you know, damage or the insecurities or the past pain that I still had to work through oh, if right. I didn't want to manifest it and then project it onto you. You know, if I wasn't so scared that you were going to do drugs, I was overly protective of every little move you made. Or you I always would be. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say for the record, when it comes to drugs, I'm, we have it's a gateway. Okay. She is D.A.R.E., D-A-R-E, the whole D.A.R.E. program. I am D.A.R.E. She is. I've never met someone more against drugs than my today and it's because we come illegal sure it's because i know she's <laughs> she's down for a good xanax once <laughs> no, in a while no i oh. am not <laughs> but i will say uh it's because unfortunately it's really sad but you are such an anti-drug person and you're so concerned i i didn't do drugs in high school not because i was scared of you 
I just was like, I can't do that to her because it would what, break me. It would break you. Uh, drugs have broken this family so mm-hmm. many different ways. We haven't even touched on that, but drugs have, I'm, I'm what you call is predisposed. We have a, mm-hmm. we have drugs in our family and it's, and I've seen what they do and I've seen the pain that they've caused you. You've never done a drug. I'm talking about no. your, in your family yeah. members and, and there's what a lot of substance abuse, you know, throughout the family. So um, much. So that being said, I, even though I was like, come on, mom, let me just have a drink in high school or something. Mm-hmm. I, I, Gateway. Ha- <laughs> I had a freaking <laughs> cocktail. Gateway. I remember I had a Smirnoff ice and you got me a book on, it was like the seven cornerstones of battling alcoholism. And then, I mean, that remember was last I was year. Going, oh yeah. Last year I had a couple too many margaritas Two, I had literally two margaritas at Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And Christmas morning, what does she have for me? Russell Brand's <laughs> rehabilitation book. Only because that really is a good book. It's a great book. It is really a good book. <laughs> but you, you thought that's hey, subconscious. <laughs> just because I see you going down a path of destruction. No. I honestly just thought that was a I'm good book. I'm one margarita away from full blown <laughs> alcoholism. And I love that you are very on top of it, though. I get it. I get it. You kind of have to be. And it wasn't until I was older, much older in my adult life. Oh, here we go. That it all came. <laughs> the abuse. No, but the, the understanding of why you wanted to teach me rhythm, why you <laughs> wanted to make sure that I was in speech contest. You had me in speech and debate since I was like in fourth grade all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. But you harped on me for dancing always. You were like, you got to learn rhythm and you'd make me dance with you in the kitchen, which I love to do. But I'd also put on shows and stuff and. But you're really big on you got to learn rhythm. You're not about to be dancing like your dad. You got to learn how to dance with some <laughs> funk and freaking soul. Like your dad. You got to be able to hold. hold Biting it. the upper lip, the yeah. lower lip dance. Yeah. You got to hold your own and be able to dance and have some freaking rhythm. And you were you were dancing your ass off on Soul Train in the day. And you're quite the little song leader, cheerleader. And you are a great dancer. But I didn't realize, again, till I was much older that. You were doing that strategically as a parent, the speech contest, the civic oration contest, and the whole he needs to learn rhythm and harping on all of those things, because it all led to you not wanting me to be an alcoholic or a druggie. And by the way, no shame to our family. We speak openly about substance abuse and alcoholism. That's just part of our family. It's never been riddled in shame. We speak openly about it. But Mm-hmm. But you strategically saying, okay, I want you to be able to dance because because I don't want you to be an alcoholic. And I'm like, wait, what? Well, not be an alcoholic. I or didn't... turn to turn to liquor to give me courage. Or I didn't give want me you confidence. to have liquid courage. Right. That's that was what my big, big thing is. And, you know, I'm my disposed. My brother was, you know, my best friend and I loved him dearly. And he was the smartest person I knew. Um, but, you know, I, I learned really young going through high school that people self-medicated or got liquid courage to get up the nerve to speak or to dance. And so it just kind of makes in, sense. In school. In school. Yeah. So I, I watched this all, you know, growing up, but I had rhythm. I had learned to dance really young, you know, just I did, but a lot of people I knew didn't. And I saw whenever we'd go clubbing or wherever we went, they had to drink to get out there and have a good time or to ask somebody out or to kind of speak out in, in groups, 
you know, whatever they had to. And I thought, man, they always have to self-medicate or liquid courage to do oh, that. I mean, I, most of my friends, they yeah. usually will have a drink or two before going into an event, which yes. I get. It's very common, actually. Calm down. and Which no shade to that. Some people need that. You were saying mm-hmm. you don't want me to do that because right. I'm predisposed. I knew you were predisposed and I didn't want to give you a gateway. That's why I always say gateway. Oh, <laughs> I didn't. I <laughs> wanted you to develop your self-esteem. And if you wanted to try, you know, drinking or drugs, it wasn't to have the courage to go out and dance or to, I didn't want liquid fake courage. I just wanted you to learn to dance and to learn to speak. I think both of those were really important things. Me, I was so incredibly shy. And for, I mean, I remember I had to do a a speech in college and I literally fainted in front of the classroom at the the mere thought of speaking. It was embarrassing, you know, and I thought, I don't want that for you. Mm. And that's what I'm saying. You always, you, sometimes you overcompensate. I may have overcompensated by trying so hard not to have you go that route that I made sure you went into speech or I saw what it did in our family when people self-medicated or, you know, the pain the 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 disease of it all what it happened what happens so i think um for me <laughs> i thought well i'm going to make sure that one you have rhythm and two you can speak well yeah and those are the two things that i thought okay i'm going to check off my list that i can at least do right away to not give you that gateway or you know to not be an excuse you can't give me that excuse you needed it to loosen up because right. i was going to take that away from you you sure did i sure did well and yeah and i look back <laughs> now and i remember i go into a speech contest, like these civic oration contests. We went to nationals, by the way. You <laughs> took did. me to the top. You were good. Well, I, it was, you were a tiger mom. <laughs> you not? were on my ass. Wait, what's that movie with that guy <laughs> with the drums? Have you ever seen the movie Whiplash? No. Okay, well, <laughs> it's this kid. It's such a good movie, but he's a drummer. And the professor that he has, or the drumming instructor, is very hard on him. And that's basically my childhood. No, I had to challenge you. You were good. (laughs) I would do it perfect again from the top. Do it again. Run it back. Where were where were your hands while you were speaking? You have to tell a story with your hands. They were just off to your side. I'm not listening to your story. What about for hearing impaired? Tell us a story. Use your hands. Project. Use your voice. I I can't hear you. She'd go to the back of the house. Still can't hear you. Project. But, you know, I'm so glad I got to do those contests. I still have those damn speeches memorized. (laughs) They were always the giraffalo. Oh, we had to do. Yeah. On a make believe land. And I had to do this whole story and make up animals. And yeah, we had to do one Mm -hmm. on, you know, places to visit in America. And anyway, they were great. I'm giving you a hard time, but I'm actually very thankful that you did that because it did teach me. Uh, how to speak and also uh, gave me some confidence. And when it comes to dancing, I still do love to have a good drink, but I don't need it. You don't need the drink. You drink because you're going to enjoy it for social. Mm, I love tequila. Um, I just, you know, for me, and that could, it could be wrong. That could just be my kooky thinking and my way. You know, I saw growing up like, wow, everybody here is drunk so they could dance. Uh, And then when, you know, I got older, I thought, well, I'm going to make sure that you don't have that problem. So let me just but work with you, you on it. You saw what your brothers were going through at an oh, early yeah. age. Very young. And they were drinking to get more confidence or to ask someone out. Or So I see mm-hmm. the reasoning. You were just giving me the tools. 
Yeah, so I was thank just you trying for to give the tools. you some tools too. I appreciate the tools. You know, and the speaking, you were very, you were very good. In I was. I mean, I got better about it. Yeah, so it made sense that I would keep going that path with you. When we were winning trophies. I wasn't winning trophies. You were winning trophies. <laughs> well, I'm very thankful you did that. I was merely along that. for the ride. <laughs> now, full circle. Now I'm in my 30s and realizing that this was all part of your little scheme and keeping me off the streets. Keeping yeah. me out of rehab. Thank you, Queen. I joke and say you're overprotective, <laughs> but when it comes to drinking and drugs, uh, I just... I couldn't do that to you. That's why I didn't go no, down I'm that very, pathway. I'm very sympathetic. I'm very understanding of what could happen when those are going unchecked. That's all. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, a lot of families are suffering through that. And Oh, man, it's tough. And I, I our know family our family has gone through it. And there's no shame in it. I just understand it. That's all. Mm-hmm. That's all. You know, so if there was anything I, I was trying to shield you from. But that's what I'm saying. You know, you think things from your childhood or young adulthood, it manifests out right onto your kid because that's what you identify. My mom drugs, drank, oh, mm-hmm. that was her trigger point. Don't do it. Yeah. You know, well, every mom has a trigger point. Well, and Don't I thought my this. mom has gone through so much heartache and I've seen how much pain dealing with your closest loved ones and substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm like, I'm not going to do that to her. That's just like, she's already... That wouldn't be very nice. <laughs> you, like you've had so much shit, so much trauma, so much happened to you. And it I can't even say it ended with childhood. And that's oh my God, that's a whole thing that I want to get into. That's I keep, a whole other thing. Well, no, know. but I, I wanna I actually that's part of the idea I want to do is God, you're you're an incredible guest and you're you have so much wisdom. And it's a bummer for me that a lot of the incredible wisdom that you have and this this perspective on the world you're so seasoned but a lot of it stems from having to deal with such a difficult traumatic life you've turned literally lemons into lemonade and you've taken Mm -hmm. some really tough experiences and they've seasoned you into this beautiful person in front of me um and i don't but i again i'm like man i I'm so appreciative of the outlook and perspective you have on life, but I'm like, man, if you guys only knew what it took to get to that point, that the fact that I could have right. any form, even 1% of the wisdom you have is I'm like, oh, like what a blessing little, thank you, little Yoda, because I haven't I had to endure that. But so many, and your listeners will attest this, a lot of us out there have gone through a lot, you know, past and present. Oh, sure. Of you know, course. from your 20 year olds to your 50, 60 year old listeners, everybody has gone through something, you know, and when you're parenting, how do we tap into that and turn it into more understanding, more wisdom, more of a superpower, more of a something of a reference point rather than project it onto, you know, our child? Yeah, that's that's the that's the challenge of how do I not overcompensate? Because, you know, I think there's a weakness and, you know. Sometimes we overcompensate, um, especially with only children. Uh, there's a lot of overcompensation done as, oh, I think, you know, he's going to be spoiled. So you're too strict or too rigid, you know, with the manners or, you know, especially when you have only one that's easy to pick up on every little thing you do wrong when there's only one you're looking at. So you have to learn to dial back too. Yeah. So there's a lot just in 
raising a, a single child that I think we have to pay attention to, too. For sure. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. I yeah. didn't even get to say a lesson that I've learned. Oh, yeah. Well, you're so... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, mine's going to be listening to well, your mind. I don't know if I answered your question, though. Um, yeah, definitely. Did. You know, I, I think the question, my the question was, what lessons did you learn? And I think in a line, my answer is, you know, to hold the mirror up. And I wish that I would have held it up sooner and quicker on, you know, bullying and teaching you to trust your gut, you know, faster. And I have to and say. And I'm glad that I did. And I'm very proud that I learned that and, and watched you in fifth and sixth grade and then took action and then watched you flourish seventh on. Now I'm very in tune to the internal things. I, I watch you, but I'm listening more and more, you know, so I'm not just hearing, I'm listening. Yeah, of course. And that is what I've honed in. So that was the lesson I've learned is just to really listen, not just look for the external stuff, but to hear what's being said and listen to it. I have to say that whole idea of listening, mm-hmm. which is so important, but that for me, specifically in my 20s, now going into my 30s now, mm-hmm. has been everything to me. Trusting my gut. Trust your gut. Not letting other people define who I am. And I did a little bit of that, fell off the wagon a little bit in my 20s. Mm-hmm. You meet people who are you can be influential or have very strong opinions, could try and write your narrative. And I got, I fell into that a little. Of course, I thank you for Mm -hmm. showing me the way and being like, those friends suck. Like, they're not (laughs) good for you. Like, warning, danger, danger, you know? So, yeah, I trust my gut. And of course, you've led by example, but that's Mm -hmm. been really important for me is trusting my gut and not letting anyone identify who I am. I tell Mm -hmm. me who I am. Mm -hmm. And, And if I have a firm sense of that, then I'll stay authentic. Then I'll stay honest. I'll stay true. Yes. And I could be a good person to myself and to those I love. And you to, love yourself. You will love everything and everyone yeah, around you. Really? Just stay authentic. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't matter. Everything. I mean, I, yes, I've gone through a lot, but it's marinated me to be who I am today. And as long as I keep working on the residual and collateral damage from that, <laughs> you just keep working on it and, and nurturing it and forgiving yourself and forgiving others and f- trying to just keep to the root causes of why, um, you know, it, it keeps you authentic and it keeps you real and it, it keeps you not jaded. And, and that's what I, I strive. You're not jaded. No, no, no. I'm not jaded. You know, I absolutely love life and I love being a parent. And was it hard? Yeah. But because I loved so hard, the dysfunction stopped with me. I single-handedly stopped a trend in our family. And that's pretty powerful. If you, you know, if there's something I'm most proud of, it's like, wow, it stopped with me. It stopped at that door right there, you know. No crazy past that door. Leave it <laughs> no. at the door. Leave your shit at the door. Amen. Is not coming in this house. And I'm very protective of that. But, you know, I, I think that's what I'm You really are proud so of. protective of that. And now it makes sense why when it comes to bringing people into the house, new mm-hmm. friends, you're always so accepting and loving mm-hmm. of everybody. I, mm-hmm. I, I love that about you. But you're very particular about who we bring into 
this little safe nest mm-hmm. of a family love because, but I understand why, where it stems from and it makes complete sense. And you breaking the cycle of dysfunction. Well, when I have a family one day, I for sure want to continue on that. You know, now it's, you've started the new journey and I want to continue with mm-hmm. that. And I don't want dysfunction. So I end up being like super abusive to my kid. Oh like, my uh-huh. God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, queen. And then I go over and hit you. Oh, shit. I just took us back a couple steps. Well, the friends, you know, I used to, (laughs) I used to, you know, open the door to everybody. And you remember, I mean, the house would always be tons of people. Our Christmases would be uncomfortably large. It was like a, sometimes I didn't even know half the people that were, and people were coming, friends, colleagues, friends of friends. Your house was the hub growing up. Constant revolving door, people coming in, spending the night hanging out. It just, I mean, the holidays specifically, it was an open door policy. Yeah. But I've just realized through the years that it's, it's quality, not quantity. Yeah. And I, I much rather have a a tight knit, close, genuine, loving circle. That's a hundred percent. Remember what I said before, if you're giving someone good news, Watch their eyes and watch their mouth. <laughs> yeah, if see how they're reacting and nodding and reacting. Keep going, but if they're not, shut up. Don't yeah. bring them into your circle. That's and not for the sure role as hell. Don't bring them into your home. Just don't bring them into your home or your circle. You could be friends with them, but that's not. Mm, who I don't you even want to be friends with them either. Well, you have a lot of colleagues and acquaintances and friends that are just oh, that. But I just don't open up. But about I'm just anything saying that them. doesn't mean they have permission. So what I learned for the home is it goes the same. I love deep and I have a lot of people out there that I think the world of, but that doesn't mean I bring them into my home to my innermost circle of, you know, comfort and where you're letting your hair down or having frank discussions at the table. No, no. I've learned the hard way that you can't trust everybody, nor should you. And it's okay. That's not a bad thing. Beautifully said. Yeah, it's okay. I want to end it on that note. Don't Mm -hmm. trust anybody. No, Uh-oh. that's not true. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Do you hear how you... <laughs> I don't trust nobody. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, Queen. <laughs> I I could keep talking to you for forever. I just love having these conversations with you because I always learn something. And I always mm-hmm. learn something about you, about your parenting, about your life. And I don't, I'm just very grateful for that, to be able to do that with you. I just adore you. Oh, I love having these conversations. I want to have more of them. Yeah, so, I love talking to you too. And and I love hearing from the listeners because sometimes what I say can resonate. Sure. And then they add in something they've been in that. That gives me, you know, something to read too and think, wow, that's that's interesting. I didn't look at it that way or that's interesting. You know, I have a lot of listeners forth. who are new parents. Some, mm-hmm. you know, are about to be parents or thinking about mm-hmm. should they even be parents. Mm-hmm. And I definitely want to do a parenting episode with you. Like mm-hmm. were they the low lifers, we could open it up. Mm-hmm. They can ask any question they want about yes, parenting. Absolutely. I think that would be really great for mm-hmm. someone uh, just to be able to ask whatever. No question is a bad question. Just anything. Is, yeah. No, if anything in my arsenal or toolbox can help anybody be a better parent, because in order to make this world better, it's a tall order to be a parent. You're yeah. shaping, you know, the next jerk or the next Einstein or the next <laughs> loving person by Angelo. The next you're sociopath. Shaping, yeah, you're shaping, you know, the world. Yeah. It's not easy. 
It's true. So it takes a village and it takes community like this, you know, being on podcasts. It's and cool talking. to have this little pod oh community. Gosh, I love I it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I'm shy to do it, but I love it. And then when I read stuff, I'm like, oh, yes. Or if someone else has said, I've been through that, then that comforts me, too, because I think, wow, I wasn't alone. So, yeah, um, yeah, well, for that, we're I, gonna, I love being here. I have to bring you back for another episode on that. And here's the thing. I love the parenting side of you, but there's a whole other facet of your life and personality. Business. Okay. There she is. And she, she didn't even want, you know, it's so funny. You didn't even want to do parenting or talk about personal anything. That's. No. I think that your listeners would love to know the ins and outs of how to do a great resume. Okay. <laughs> I really sure. do. So Especially people us, are trying to get back in the workforce. Well, they're getting back in the workforce. They're reinventing themselves. Some of us have been at home. Some of us have to change industry. All of us have been at home. And I'd love to talk about starting your own business. You started your own business. Many businesses. You've had successes and failures, everything in between. I think you'd be such a good guest just to talk about the life of an entrepreneur. It's in your blood. We got to get you talking about business life and how to be your own boss. I have to end it on rapid fire questions. Besides wanting parenting advice from you, the low lifers want to hear rapid fire questions. Oh my goodness. The last two episodes you've been on, I didn't do rapid fire. I with didn't you. even know what that is. Well, you're about to go oh, down the rabbit geez. hole of the rapid fire. Preguntas. <laughs> okay. All right. And it's time for <laughs> rapid fire questions with the queen. I'm scared. Here we go. <laughs> Cottage on the beach or cabin in the woods? Cottage on the beach. Your celebrity crush. First a male and then a female. She used to love Nicolas Cage. Yeah, but not anymore. <laughs> he's, he's not aging so good. Right. Who's your new celebrity crush? Male and then a female. The guy from Bridgerton. <laughs> oh, yeah. Beautiful. He's beautiful. Yeah. Sam Hayek, I think. Is oh, very yeah, pretty. of course. Mm -hmm. Little narcissistic of you. Why? Fellow Latina with oh, large melons. <laughs> if your belly button had a magical superpower, what Ew. would that superpower be? What would you make that belly button do if you could do anything? This is gross, but give water. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean? Because so many people are, are dying and we need water. water. <laughs> be a sprinkler. You would... <laughs> <laughs> So if you pressed it, water would come out. Water. Like perfectly drinkable. Perfectly drinkable, sustained, help everybody. Yeah. Water. And we could just <laughs> plop you down in a country. Ew, that sounds so gross. That's a beautiful answer, Mother Teresa. <laughs> but don't you think? Look at the droughts. I wouldn't oh want to drink God. that water. Oh, yeah, sure. There's droughts. Well, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I wouldn't be sitting there all grotesque spewing out water I it's coming like from your belly button i know but maybe you put it in a nice housing unit or something where i'm hiding behind it so you would just like a fire hydrant you'd be shipped <laughs> off to a country and they could hook up a tube oh, to your... <laughs> all right interesting answer mine was a, mine was very selfish what was yours uh i wanted if you press my belly button it remove my... wrinkles close god you know god. me uh, it would my body would produce hyaluronic acid, Ew. which is expensive. <laughs> oh, See, here I am thinking of oh, giving geez. water to 
Yeah. Thirsty Your poor listeners think I'm a great mom and then you go and say no wrinkles. <laughs> I had, uh, was it McDonnelly? She wanted to press her belly button and it would make her fart smell like cinnamon rolls. Ew. <laughs> Who doesn't love cinnamon rolls? All right. Go to cocktail at Maybe a bar. Maybe because I'm older. Sure. No, you would have said that when you were freaking 15 <laughs> years old. All right. Go to cocktail at a bar. Oh, that's easy. A strawberry shortcake. That's a food item. No, that's a drink at TGI Fridays. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> but you know what? We keep it real at the low show. And that there's about a thimble. <laughs> Of that, of alcohol in a strawberry shortcake drink. And you used to love that. You haven't been to TGI Fridays in probably a decade. A decade. But I'll tell you, every time I did order it, they had to go ask the bar, do we have something like that? It's basically like a shake mm. with like whipped cream, strawberries. Whipped cream, it's like, stra- it ice like a cream. strawberry shortcake with a little touch of alcohol. Yum. <laughs> Yum. Mm, yum. <laughs> you love uh, margaritas too. I love margaritas. But- uh Blended. blended has yeah. to be blended. You're not really a drinker, but at no, all. But, but if I did, it would be strawberry like a mar- shortcake. Strawberry or- shortcake margarita. All right. <laughs> strawberry shortcake or a margarita. Okay. What's something that people commonly get wrong about you? That I'm outgoing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Favorite cheat meal. Beef taquitos with guacamole with cheese on top. Oh wow. Homemade. <laughs> Very specific. Homemade. Homemade taquitos. Yes. Because I can't find a good one anymore at a restaurant. Besides the ones you make. Yes. When are you most inspired? Early morning. Mm, Very early morning. Very early morning. And very late at night, too. Yeah. Like, I will will go to bed and think of all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And get real motivated for the morning. And then in the morning, I got to hurry up and get up. Everyone says I wake up like a jack-in-the-box. Yeah, you're very... (laughs) Yeah, you're definitely a morning person. <laughs> definitely a morning. I drive everyone crazy. Mm-hmm. Morning. <laughs> if you were to die and come back as an animal reincarnated, Ew. what animal would you be reincarnated as? A loba, a wolf. A loba, a wolf. That makes sense. Why now you love women who run, run with, with the, the wolves. Clarissa Pinkett Smith. It's one of your favorite books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Finishing each other's <laughs> sentences. Yeah. I love that. You are definitely... Loba. A loba. Favorite movie that always makes you laugh? Something's Gotta Give. I Jack love Nicholson, that. Diane Keaton. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's my favorite movie. Something Gotta Give. I love that movie too. Mm-hmm. Nancy Myers, great director. Mm-hmm. And I want to end it on this note, which is not part of Rapid Fire, but you have so many great quotes that you always live by. I mean, I think I get at least a quote a day from you, um, from all the different things you've read and just your own quotes, but can you give a quote for the listeners? Something to take with them today? It would be Helen Keller. Okay, we love a blind queen. Oh, goodness. This is one that I've I've always had. The only thing worse than being blind is having no vision. Mm. I love that quote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Keeps it real. Keeps it real. She sure did. Mm-hmm. All right, queen. I think we should leave it right there on this beautiful Helen Keller moment inspirational quote so we'll leave it here today but i can't wait to have you come back on the podcast we have more topics to delve into we have so many more things to discuss but those are going to be on future episodes so thank you so much for being here today queen oh well thanks for having me here i will always love it you're always welcome here at the low show you're more part of the show than i am at this point thanks and and thanks to everyone out there too 
for listening. The mm-hmm. low lifers, the loyal low lifers. You Our have your lifers. stands. Yes. All right, Queen. Well, I just have to say, I love you so much. <laughs> what the hell, Queen? <laughs> I'm sorry. What are you, what are I you reading? Lo- I was looking at this. She's reading emails on her phone. I was. <laughs> All right. Well, I love you, Queen. And, um, I love you too, Mijo. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I do. I love you. I love you. (laughs) All right. We'll end it there. And we'll catch you guys next time on The The Low Low Show. Show. (laughs) Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Low Life Podcast. (laughs) I love the name. All right. We're sticking with The Low Life Podcast. We're going to ride it till the wheels fall off. So slight disclaimer at the end of the show, the queen and I go. And thank you for listening to The Low Show. I didn't want to cut it out. So it was previously recorded before I had officially changed the name of the podcast to the Low Life Podcast. But I thought that moment was just so sweet when we both said it together. And I selfishly was like, I'm keeping it in. That's my last memory of the Low Show. Plus, I love that she said that with me. So anyway, I left it in. But yeah, the podcast is now the Low Life Podcast moving forward. Also, did you guys notice that in the episode at the end when we were doing rapid fire, the queen was like, oh, rapid fire questions. What's that? I haven't done that before. Which goes to show that she does not listen to my podcast. <laughs> She's not listening to it, which I can't wait to call her out on because I do rapid fire on pretty much every episode, but she's not listening to the episode. So I'm about to call her out on that next time on the Low Life Podcast. You got something to confess, queen. <laughs> So this week, I've been working on staying positive. And what's helped me the last month is writing down three things every day I'm thankful for. Little things. I, like one day I wrote I was thankful to have freaking acai berries for my smoothie. So, you know, little wins. But I know it sounds cheesy to write things you're grateful for, to journal, but it helps me. So maybe it can help you too, because I think we're all going through it to some extent mentally. Mental health is very important. I talk about it all the time, especially right now during a pandemic. Shit's weird. It's just getting weirder. I'm learning about freaking snowstorms happening in Texas, tornadoes, you know, across the United States. People are losing their homes, electricity. I watch the news and I'm like, whoa, really heavy stuff. And it makes me very anxious. And, you know, there's only so much I can do and so much I can listen to before it starts to really impact me. So writing things I'm thankful for and grateful for. Um, has it's just a small exercise, but it makes a world of difference in my mental health. First things first, I'm thankful for this podcast. Yep, this is a great platform, and I'm very grateful that I have amazing listeners. You guys have really opened up and kept the conversation going, and I love talking with you. So thank you for messaging me and sharing your stories and being vulnerable too. Because uh, sometimes I'm like, oh shit, should I have shared that? But it feels nice that you guys are so open and receptive to to hearing stories. And uh, that's why I'm thankful to have this platform that we could have more open dialogue. And I learn different perspectives and learn stories from you guys. And, and I love that. All right. Second thing I'm thankful for is my health. I'm in good health right now, which is great. I was kind of going through it feeling down more depressed than usual. I was like, wait, why am I feeling so down like for the last two weeks? And uh, I ended up realizing that I was low in vitamin D I got my levels tested, did a full blood panel with my doctor, had my yearly physical and checking, you know, what I was deficient in and vitamin D, damn, my level was very low, but I hadn't been going outside and getting sun. So that helps. 
Uh, but he wrote me a prescription for a vitamin D. It's not over the counter. It's actually prescribed. It's a high dosage. So I started taking that a few weeks back and damn, that really helped. It really makes a difference. Also taking a few other supplements too. But I would suggest going to your doctor and getting a full blood panel and seeing what vitamins you could be deficient in because it could be linked to depression and feeling certain ways. Um, of course, there's anti-anxiety and anti-depression medications that you can take. But if you want to go you know, a different route and find out if you're deficient in something, that could also be a trigger or if your thyroid's low or certain things like that. My testosterone was low and my vitamin D was low. Started eating some meat and, and taking some vitamin D and it's helped me tremendously with my mental health. So I'm thankful that I could do that, go to a doctor and I'm okay health-wise. Third thing I'm thankful for is, of course, my family. Damn, I'm so thankful for my family and it really puts things in perspective. I know a lot of people have lost family members and it's painful and my heart goes out to anyone experiencing loss right now. Oh man. So I just keep reminding myself to send that text to a family member, let them know, even though I can't see them, they're out of state or of course we're you know doing the whole COVID social distancing thing, uh, but just letting them know I'm thinking about them, I care about them and putting in the effort to FaceTime or send that text or send flowers. I've been trying to do little things like that. Um, they make a world of difference. And just know we're all going through it to some extent. So being mindful of that, that's helped me. And I'm just you know trying to reach out to people, putting in the extra effort. Speaking of extra effort, I want to thank you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to rate, subscribe, and uh, leave a comment on the podcast, leaving a review. It really makes a huge difference. And I say it every time, but like, I mean it because it's the only thing that keeps this show afloat. It keeps it going. We're able to do free shows and continue, you know, putting out great content for you guys. And I'm loving doing this podcast, but uh, through you subscribing, leaving a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and a review, I mean, even if you just leave a smile face as a review or something, it, it goes into the algorithm that helps so much. But your reviews and comments have been so beautiful and kind and so appreciated. So I can't thank you enough for doing that. Um, and a lot of you have written multiple comments or reviews. So thank you for taking the time to do that because, uh, yeah, it really helps the show so much and I want to continue to do it. So your help is much appreciated. All right, we're hitting the end of the week. I'm going to go into binge watching the rest of Firefly Lane. Okay, I know that's not on brand for me. I'm usually down for more of like a crime documentary or anything to do with a serial killer. Uh, but for some reason, I got sucked into Firefly Lane. It's it's so bad that it's good. Well, I shouldn't say it's so bad. I'm obsessed with it. It's Katherine Heigl from Grey's Anatomy. So she's the star of it. And it's like a story of two best friends. And it's a total drama. But it's okay, just to break it down, it's a mixture of beaches. Do you remember the movie from the 80s, Beaches or Steel Magnolias? If you blended Steel Magnolias, Beaches, and This Is Us, the show with Justin Hartley, it's like every episode makes you cry. That's this show wrapped into one. So it's emotional, it's dramatic, there's cheating, there's lying, there's twists and turns. And uh, it's the story of these two women who are growing together as best friends and I don't know. It's like escapism for me. That's probably why I like it. I'm like, oh, I'm just focusing on their drama and what's going on in their lives. But Katherine Heigl does a great job in it. And the other actress, I don't know her name, but she's awesome. Uh, but it's kind of cheesy at moments, but 
I don't know. I'm into it. So I'm going to be watching that show, <laughs> that shit show over the weekend. But I hope you have a wonderful weekend ahead. We have a great episode next week for you. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. But until then, drink your water, puta, because I know you're thirsty. I love you. And I'm out. We keep it moving. Yeah, we do.